I really care nothing about boxing. Boxing is a stepping stone just to introduce me to the audience. But my main fight is for freedom and equality, and this is what I plan to do. So number one comes freedom first, my people, equality, and this is uh, what I plan to do after I'm through fighting. Because as you know, in this country, a black athlete or entertainer has a lot of influence. Some of them promote rescue, some of them make movies, nude scenes with women, and some of them take their fame to promote maybe some type of whiskey or some rock and roll record, but I'd like to do all I can to uplift the people morally and spiritually and as far as loving self and sticking together and helping self before um, expecting others to help them and respect them when they don't respect themselves. This is what I want to do. But when one man of popularity can let the world know the problem, he, can, uh, he might lose a few dollars himself telling the truth, might lose his life, but he's helping millions. But if I kept my mouth shut just because I can make millions, and then this ain't doing nothing. So I just love the freedom and the flesh and blood of my people more so than I do the money. Last night, I had a dream. When I got to Africa, I had one hell of a rumble. I had to beat Tarzans behind first for claiming to be the king in the jungle. For this fight, I've wrestled with alligators. I've tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning and put thunder in jail. You know I'm bad. I have murdered a rock. I injured a stone and I hospitalized a brick. I'm so bad I make medicine sick. I'm so fast, man, I can run through a hurricane and don't get wet. When George Fulmer meets me, he'll pay his debt. I can drown a drink of water and kill a dead tree. Wait till you see Muhammad Ali. Yo, what's going on world, man? Got another episode of the Mainline Podcast. Man, got a special guest, man. One of my OGs, man. One of the guys that used to give me hell uh, back in the Pop Warner days, man. He was in the age group above us, but uh used to love watching him run that ball and and even followed him when he went to the to one of my rival high schools, Roosevelt. But I want to uh, give a warm welcome to Rich Luck, man. Lucky, what's happening, bro? What's good, bro? What's man, happening? Ain't nothing to it, man. Just here to, uh, you know, another conversation to talk about the black man in America. Not only that, but just I wanted to get your opinion, see how things are, are going on, not only in your life, but how you feel as a black man. And then also, uh, I know I don't want to marginalize you as my sports guy, but I know you're well versed into the, the sports world, having done that as a background uh, in your youth and, and giving back to the community. I know you still do the flag football every once in a while. I see your, your name pop up on the flag football. So I know you're still versed in the, uh, the sports community. But uh, the overall goal right now, I'm, I'm doing a series called Black in America. And uh, so you're, no, you're number three, part three. I just want to continue the conversation. I think people need to understand what's going on to regular people, not just these athletes or these celebrities, but regular people going on in the world. So without further ado, man, Let's just talk. Like I said, I, you know, I knew of your name growing up. I played for the Apaches. I think you played for the Mustangs. So let's uh, talk about growing up, your lifestyle, going to the Velt, and what you've experienced so far. Definitely, man. Uh, you know, I grew up on Baltimore and Crown. Definitely a predominantly black neighborhood. Poverty. A lot of just hood stuff going on mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Of course, across the street from Walsham is Wincrest. So, you know, any type of racial injustice that I might have incurred might have been from anyone from maybe on that side, just not understanding how we grew up off of Walls and Mid-Crown and mm-hmm. being in that area because Mullencrest was predominantly a, a white neighborhood. Gotcha. So for, um, the, for the listeners, the, the Walls is like a dividing line. So Mullencrest was on one side and, and, and Mid-Crown was on the other. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. 
That's correct. So it's literally two different worlds. Wow. Completely two different worlds. That's crazy. So it's, it's a dynamic that I grew up in of me and my people just being on this side and not really hanging out with anybody from that side. So being at Roosevelt is a, a complete diverse school, meaning you got an entire city of Wincrest that are predominantly white people. Mm-hmm. And then you got an entire other city from Walsall and Macron coming into one school. So mm-hmm. growing up was cool. I mean, all the white people and Mexican people that I uh, encountered, I never really had any racial injustice with the my peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, maybe from older people, uh, I've seen some Confederate flags drive up and down walls yeah, yeah, every yeah. now say some racial slurs out the window and, mm. you know, we get upset, but we just dealt with it. And, um, you know, we were just taught not to even pay attention to it as much as as far as taking it to another level of getting into it with them or something like that. But we've been well aware of the racism going on in my neighborhood. So you said that this is in the 2000s. This is recent. This is not like growing up as a child, seeing this stuff or, or this is as recent as in the early 2000s, even now. Early 2000s. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's crazy. Um, you would think with everything going on, you know, a lot of folks in the political uh, realm try to say, hey, you know, we've come a long way since civil rights and all that since the 68 movement, even in the, the great 70s movement and 80s movement. But we're still going to through these type of situations in the 2000s. And you live through that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Definitely. Man. I know you have, you know, two kids. Congratulations on that. I, don't, I know I probably wish you, you, you know, congrats on the social media platforms, but you're in an interracial relationship. Am I correct? That's uh, correct. Speak on that and, and how, what's she going to do to, to, you know, you, your kids are going to grow up. They're, they're mixed, you know, biracial kids. So they're going to have two worlds they have to live in. They have to dabble that's in your true. world being a black man. And then uh, correct me, what's your significant Mexican. other? She's Mexican. Okay. So that's, that's two true. different minority that they have to dabble in. What are you going to teach your kids? It's funny that we bring that up right now. My fiance is going through a tough time right now having to talk these social injustice issues with some of her family members, Mm. having to explain to them things that they were never aware of growing up. You know, they just weren't aware of it. So they don't understand, you know, why Kaepernick kneels for the flag or they don't understand this Black Lives Matter movement. So she's had to give, you know, a few lessons out over these past couple of weeks, man. It's been great to see. Honestly, I know it's been tough for her, but I, I love the fight she's putting on for just educating the rest of her family about things that I encounter every day as a black man. Yeah. So things that I want to show my kids is, is that you are black. You're going to encounter some of these things from your peers at school, from your you know peers at work. And it's just going to happen. You're going to have to be able to deal with it. and and recognize it, but don't let them racial profile you. I'll definitely teach them to, to just to lead by example. And at, at that point, you know, they'll be able to succeed further and, and blow past all of that. That's tough. Are you doing, I know you said your, your, your fiance is doing the educational piece to her family, but are you giving her a game like, hey, because different households are taught different things. I'm sure we have probably had similar growing up experiences where your, your parents or whoever your parental figure is in, in your life is teaching you about black history and teaching you those those aspects of how to walk and tread different scenarios. So are you schooling your fiance and then she's then in schooling her family or how is she self-educating? Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. She's actually done a lot more research on her own, gotcha. um, but I've, I've been schooling her to what I've encountered growing up as a black man. I've, okay. I've schooled her to just everyday life of me going to the store and when I walk in, you know, how people just stare at me or yeah. uh, to a predominantly white event and I'm the only black person there, how I get looked at. And, and then she's 
now that we're together, she's actually witnessed it herself. Yeah. So now in these last six years, she's been able to witness the things that I go through Mm -hmm. and actually go back and relay it to her family or her family actually sees it as well. So now that they have two grandkids or two family members that are, they have to, you know, continue that fight for it. They're getting to understand it a lot more now. Got you. Got you. Yeah. That's, I know that's not only a tough conversation to have, but a needed conversation. So I'm, I'm glad she's at least taking the responsibility to uh, educate herself because she has not only you by her side that she has to, I'm sure, worry about every day. But now, you know, two young ones that that's going to grow up in this society where they're going to be looked at first and judged first before they even open their mouth or they read, you know, people read their resume. So I know growing up in high school, man, you were like the king of the clubs. And I know that <laughs> industry was uh, I know in San Antonio, uh, by the way, you know, we are both from San Antonio for the world listening, San Antonio, Texas, not Ibiza. But um. That club scene, how did you break through? Because I know that's in San Antonio, it was hard. I, I didn't really see that many black folks breaking through, <laughs> but you were like the main, I just knew luck was running. If it said lucky and see, I knew shit, I'm, I'm going there. So how yes, did you sir. break so, through? Definitely. Uh, I tried to build my crowd off of who I've been my entire life. Meaning uh, when I played with the Mustangs, when you knew me, yeah, yeah. My, my teammates were white, were Mexican, uh, were black. So I've always been a, a well-diverse person. So I, I always wanted when anything that I did, I always wanted it to be well diverse. Mm-hmm. So the re, the reason I was able to break through to, you know, some of the higher end neighborhoods or Stone Oak or a lot of downtown spots is because my crowd was always well diverse and well. Everyone was classy and nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. And I always brought great events to these to these places. So I was able to break through by just diversity, honestly, That's um, just and being able to put a bunch of people together and just have a great time and everybody look nice. And, and that's what it was. Yeah. I, I always commended that because there was never no, at least when I went to the club, there was no static. Uh, there was no fighting. You had a strict dress code. You know, you made sure that people came out and had a good time and uh, yes, enjoyed sure. themselves. I think that was the the model. People enjoyed themselves going to a lucky ENT, whatever you provided. You know what I mean? So yes, I definitely commend you on that, man. Appreciate that, man. But now I want to get to the bread and butter, man. The reason why I was like, shit, (laughs) I was just sitting on my couch. I was like, dog, I I know we were supposed to link up a while while ago, but I said, this is it. This is it right here, especially with everything going on with the NBA, NFL, finally (laughs) recognizing what Cap was doing four years ago. But I wanted to dive into your mind as a sports figure. I know one of your best friends, you know, I grew up with, with Q2, but was in that NFL realm. So you you know it firsthand, being with him, you know, and, and being it with yourself. But I wanted to read something first and then kind of uh, pick your brain on a couple of things. So okay. I was reading an article. It was done, I believe, by Drexel University. And it said, uh, common arguments have often suggested that sport itself is inherently conservative and helps to consolidate patriotism, nationalism, and racism. It has some inherent property that makes it a possible instrument of integration and harmonious race relations as a form of cultural politics has been central to the process of colonialism and imperialism in different parts of the world and has contributed to unique political struggles, which have involved black and ethnic political mobilization. So I was just sitting there and when reading all that and just doing my research and they finally said, you know what? We understand what cap is doing. And I always call this the cap effect. You know, he from day one, he said, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. 
So what is your take now that the NFL has kind of reversed its course, understood what Cap is now saying, and now looking to not only, I mean, I feel like they're pandering, that's my opinion, but uh, trying to make that change. What's your thoughts on that, man? Man, I kind of feel two ways about it. On one hand, I feel like, just like you said, pandering. They It took someone having someone's knee on someone's neck for, for eight minutes for them mm. to finally realize that, man, we really messed up. Man, Cap was really giving us the game four years ago. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm also excited that they're now finally coming around. I always talk about the NBA and how the NFL is just so behind on the social issues that are going on in the world. It feels like a slave owner mentality in the NFL. They don't really get it. Yeah. So now these last couple of events for them to finally understand what's going on in the world here. And that has been social injustice. There's racism going on and that black people are just, like I said, we're, we're, we're tired of them killing us. Yeah. You know, it's on camera now. Yeah. And now they're being able to witness it on a regular basis. <laughs> and they're finally understanding that cap is cap was trying to, give them the he tried to give them the game just so early yeah and, and he got blackballed for it and at this time i felt like they're backpedaling they're moonwalking saying that you know they should have signed him saying that they you know they should have listened to him at this point you know i feel like the only way to make it right is to put him on the team do you think that's he gonna help to him? on the team you know he's been out the game i agree with you but he's been out the game for four years do you think now putting him on a team is I don't know. I feel I'm torn between that, putting them on a team, because I feel like, OK, it's a consolidation medal, you know, or, or a prize. All right. Yeah, we did this. We're, let the black people shut up now. So uh, yeah. because I heard that they were trying to they, they've started this new movement. Uh, they're starting this new program where they're getting people together for the social injustice issues. So what better person to put back in the league to run that program mm. to me would be Kaepernick. Gotcha. Um, that that would just be the best person to run that organization. I know Ed Reed is still in the league, so I know he can be along with him. But in order, with because this season coming up is going to be nothing but a bunch of kneeling. Yeah, I I want the head person who started this to be kneeling when this season starts. That that would be a, not a consolidation to me. It would be it would just mean more that it finally took these these last couple of events for them to get it right. Yeah, and uh, you know, getting him on the team would be actually getting it right. I'm not saying that. He needs to start or whatever because I know he hasn't played in four years. I still think he's in great shape. He works yeah. out every day. Yeah. But you can't tell me that there's 12 backups in the NFL right now that are better than Kaepernick. Never. It's just it's, just, it's impossible, honestly. Definitely. And, and I'm going to just use the Cowboys, America's team, as an example, right? Jerry Jones hasn't said anything. He's been the most vocal in Cap. You know, he did pander. Laughing, I don't know if it was last year or the year before with locking arms or taking a knee, but – you're America's team. You're the most, the richest franchise in the league, the most known worldwide. Do we expect him to say something or do we just? <laughs> man, my Cowboys, man. Um, <laughs> I would love for him to say something about this. I just know that his Trump alliance mm. and the way that he's brought up, he probably won't speak on this issue. It's, that's the bigger issue that we're talking about exactly. here. We need, more black, we need more black owners in the NFL. Therefore, we would have a voice. People are speaking up, but not the not the people that we want to hear from. Jerry yeah, yeah. Jones is, is the main person we need to hear from right now. Exactly. He, he actually likes to sign a lot of black players, a lot of black players that may have a trouble background. He's always all for it, but it's only about to help him get W's. 
we need to hear from him on on the social and justice aspect of it as well. Got you. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that aspect. I, I hope he says something. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath on it. But uh, okay. yeah, NFL, like you said, NFL has a long way to go. For me, you know, it's perfect transition to the to the NBA. And before I get to LeBron, your GOAT, the NBA is doing something, something major. And I like the direction that they're going. At least the players are more involved. I mean, this is hot off the press with, with the MVP uh, Players Association getting together and having that call with Kyrie leading and saying he's not willing to play unless something is done. Social reform is done. So why is there such a drastic difference between the NBA and the NFL? Why is there so much, I don't want to say leeway, but people are more willing to sacrifice and say what they feel in the NBA versus the NFL? Because we have more black people in power in the NBA. So you can get away with the saying how you feel on any team. We got black owners, we got black coaches in the NBA. Mm. And from David Stern to uh, Adam Silver. Adam Silver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been on point from day one about the social issues going on in the world. So people can speak out and not worry about losing their job. People can speak out and know that they're not going to get benched. Mm. So LeBron, of course, he's been on this since, you know, 2016. Yeah, for sure. Uh, MD Wade, Mello, uh, Chris Paul runs the, the association. They've been on the social issues and making people aware of them for years now. Yeah. And uh, they're just, like I said, they're just miles ahead of the NFL and they know that they can, bring that awareness to that game, help out all those fans around the world. Definitely. And, and I'm going to read you a quote from, uh, from LeBron and uh, just get your thoughts on it. But uh, in 2017, he said, uh, hating America, especially for African-Americans, is living every day. Someone painted a racial slur outside of his house um, before the NBA Finals. And he said, no matter how much money you have, how famous you are, how many people admire you, being black in America is tough. And we have a long way to go until we feel equal. Now, this is coming from the biggest star probably globally since Michael Jordan. This is coming from a person that has had the most eyes on him since he was 16 years old. This is coming from a person that is very active in his community and is going to voice his opinion no matter what. When he's, you know, when they say shut up and dribble, he's he's out there protesting that. Is this a good look for LeBron? How you I mean, I know this is your guy. I think it's great, but speak on LeBron and how. He has impacted, you know, the culture with his movement. I think it's a good look for him because he chooses to speak out. He chooses to let his voice be heard no matter what the backlash is going to be. Mm. A lot of superstars don't do that. A lot of superstars are worried about if they're going to lose an endorsement, if they're going to mm. lose, you know, fans here, they're going to lose fans there. Nike has been behind them 100%. Which is major. So, you know, you got your your biggest company behind you, backing you, you know, you can, you can speak out. And when you're the biggest, I mean, athlete in the world, what better person to speak out on these type of issues than him? It will get the world to wake up a little bit. Yeah. When the biggest athlete is, is letting you know what's going on and letting you know how he's being treated, even though he is the biggest athlete in the world. I mean, it's like a racial slur in his house. That's, that's crazy for the best athlete in the world who, has done plenty of things for people of all color, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think it's a good look for him to be this outspoken. And um, I think he can pave the way for younger athletes after him. Got you. Which is shit. You, you beat me to it. You know, I know you went to UTSA. Me, I went to Prairie View. Two different, you know, not going to say drastically different is education, but now we have a movement potentially uh, with the young Mikey Williams, a killer. Psh, 
boys are killing on the court, potentially bringing talent back to HBCUs, where it began. Do you see this working, especially now with, you know, the G League offering bigger contracts and trying to steal that market from the NCAA? Do you think more black or minority kids should take the HBC route if they're not going to the G League or overseas to bring that awareness to those smaller colleges? How do you feel about that? I think in his position, I think it works. When you're that good, you control your career. Mm. So if kids like him that are going to be top 10 top 15 players in the nation they should take this route just like he said to to bring that back to the hbcus no matter what he does he's still going to go to the nba he can go hbcu or he can go to tulsa or whatever it doesn't matter where he goes he's going to control the rest of his career so i think it's really amazing for a kid that young to really understand what's going on right now and uh, to take that initiative to even put it out there to say hey it wouldn't be bad going to HBCU and some of our uh, best, you know, NBA players, they coach at HBCUs now. Exactly. So I think that that's a new movement. I think that could be a new wave, even though the G league is giving money, but if you still want that college experience just for a year or two years, I think going to HBCU for these top, these top black male athletes would be a great look. I think it definitely has to start. Like you said, with uh, the recruiting, we got to have these coaches going back to the HBCUs to give back. I think we have to have, uh, the facility. I know I can only speak for Prairie View, but they have transformed. That's not the college I went to. <laughs> when I went there, yeah, it, I was, <laughs> it was country. You know, the nearest Walmart was 20 minutes away. But now they have everything. Top-notch yeah, facilities. You know what I mean? Over there, man. So it's crazy. Shoot, I think we were scheduled to play UTSA uh, oh, yeah. uh, soon. So yeah. it's, it's, And it's, HBCUs have been getting a lot more. Uh, like recently, I noticed they got a lot more TV time. Exactly. They're playing more. Pack 10 and stuff like that. So I've seen that a lot. So I think it's becoming a new wave. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I know you're big in the youth. I want to speak on San Antonio, just San Antonio alone. How can we uh, give back to the youth and, and and get them maybe involved in sports? You know, we got Pootie over there. I know Pootie working hard. E. Nuncio, he working hard on his side of town. Can we push kids or how are we getting to the kids and how can we make them feel empowered and, and get them involved and into these aspects to to make a change. Just like you said, with Pudi or uh, with Nucio going back to coach these kids, going back to train these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my guy Stu as well. He's he's doing a great job with uh training these kids and um making videos and, and making sure, you know, they, they get the news to come out and see what they're doing. And yeah. um, also I think the recreations. Uh, I grew up going to a recreation at Ed White Middle School yeah, where right, yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, that was that was like the the best thing that ever happened to me. I I they threw me in a, a track meet and I ended up just racing people. Yeah, found out that I was fast just through <laughs> a recreation. You know, so um, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like I think uh, you know going back to volunteer and going back to just just go back to your your actually your communities and your neighborhoods. Uh, my guy Kia, you know, he's back now coaching at Roosevelt. You wow. know, he graduated from Roosevelt and went to go play basketball, and now he's back coaching. So. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to get through to these kids in the same neighborhood that he grew up in. So that's the way we get through these kids to you know, make a change. Just go back and, and, and give back. Yeah, you got to. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned some guys, man. I haven't heard their names in, in, in a long time. I've been out the city for for a while, but it's, I'm glad that at least, you know, they're, they're reaching back and, and bringing that arm um, to the youth. Because I think it starts with them. You know, I always yeah. ask people. You know, being in the military, I, I get to talk with a lot of people from different places and they all mention the same thing. We have to get to the youth early, early enough to get them, 
you know, aware of what's going on in the world because they're they're in that micro bubble of that inner city. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's crazy. Um, that's also on my that's also gonna be my next step as well. My next step uh, in the next couple of years is huh. to I'll be in coaching. So that'll okay. be my next step going forward. What you what you on football track? Uh, football and track. Okay, all right. Yeah, people don't know, man. People don't know. I don't think they remember what you was capable of doing back in the day. So you gotta <laughs> definitely give back, man. So that's that's gonna be love to see. And like, and you brought up the the recreational center. Do you, is the cities are the cities doing a good job of putting money in? You know, I, I you grew up at Ed White. I was in Copernicus all the time. Or if I was at the Dory Miller Center when my mom used to drop me off there, or catch the twenty one down. I don't know. I was going everywhere, man. Uh, Lady Bird Johnson with my boy KK. But um, are they doing a good job of revitalizing those community centers? I know the Boys and Girls Club is still going strong, which is huge. You know, that was big when I was growing up on the east side. But I know my fiance, she works, she's a HR manager for the YMCA. Okay. So uh, she tells me about all the recreations going on at like Davis Scott, yeah. which is awesome. Jeez, so yeah. I, I like to hear about the recreations in the, in the inner cities and how that's going. And they're doing amazing. You know, these kids are coming out and the kids that are, that went to the Boys and Girls Club, they're now running the Boys and Girls Club. Wow. I remember some of those kids. So I think they're doing a great job here in San Antonio with the recreations and um, all the summer camps are, are perfect. And I think they're, uh, I think we're, you know, this city is just growing so much, man, man in every single way. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been here in five years, if you come here now, you'll, you know, it's different as soon as you get here. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely a good thing to see. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, with, like you said, with the neighborhoods, police in the neighborhoods. I used to watch documentaries where the police officers knew who their neighbors were, knew who was in the community, who was getting involved. Is there anything in place where neighborhoods are actually getting out there and getting active and, and policing their own instead of having the police come and mandatory police the neighborhoods? In that's, your a, that's a great question for now. I know that when I grew up, we knew the cops in our neighborhood. Yeah. The same cops patrolled our, our neighborhood or patrolled at Roosevelt, patrolled at Ed White. So, I think that was a big deal with uh, even the white cops or the Mexican cops. That's why they weren't afraid of us. They knew us from growing up. Mm -hmm. They knew us from coming up in the neighborhood. So I think that helps a lot when you put these cops in these neighborhoods to to grow up with these kids and learn who they are and, you know, get to know them a little better instead of, you know, just throwing these cops anywhere. And then they're 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 nervous or afraid. Yeah. But that is a question. That's a great question. I think that is something that needs to be implemented. Uh, you know, getting getting more cops involved in the community. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because I think once you change the landscape of what people are seeing, especially these kids, what are they seeing? If they're always seeing brutality because that's all what we're recording or that's what all we see, then they're going to grow up to, you know, dislike the police and, and have that fear in their, their mind. I mean, I'm 34 years old. I know we're around the same age. And as soon as I see them blue lights, I'm all right. I ain't do nothing, but my heart is racing. You know what I'm saying? Every time. It, and it's Every time. And it shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? It shouldn't, man. But uh, it's, it's nervous, man. I mean, I like I one put his lights on behind me the other day, and uh -huh. I was nervous. I started to pull over, but he just wanted me to get out the way. And man, <laughs> I sat there in the car for like two more minutes, just like catching the breath. Yeah, you know, like whoo. Yeah, and that and that's I think that's where we're at a point now. Like I was talking to Keith, and you know he's real philosophical. I, I would say, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's like you got PTSD, and I think. Young black kids, you know, young people of color, we have PTSD um, from the police, you know, seeing, watching cops that can trigger a memory or something or getting pulled over. Like you said, anything that we see is a, a traumatic 
stress disorder now. Like, I don't want to have your kids growing up in this light where they see the blue lights and they're like automatically, you know, crying. You know, I just saw a little clip of a little girl crying when she saw the police and that's she's five, maybe six years old. And it shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? So I think we have a long, long way to go. But where do you see us going from here? I think what's going on right now is a big wake up call to America. And uh, I'm loving seeing the other races speak out. I'm loving all of that. That 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 feels amazing, man. I've seen people speak out that I've I've never seen speak on any of these issues before. Mm-hmm. And they finally understand that it's it's just different for us. Uh, you know, we don't really live the same life. Yeah. And they're finally starting to get it and realize it. So I'm loving all the, you know, seeing the protests and some of the protests are it's more white and Mexican people out there than the black people. Yeah. I'm loving and all of that, man. Like that that's amazing. And I think I think we're on the right path. That's needed, man. And it's refreshing to hear, I mean, at least that you're seeing a little bit of change because that's all it takes, a little bit of change to make some change. You know, it's not going to be overnight. We know that as a people, you know, it's been over 50 years since the civil rights movement. So I know we uh, we're we're on the right track and I'm I'm glad you're seeing that, man. Yeah, man. I you know I wanted to make this short and squeak, but uh, what you got? What what else you want to share with the pod, man? It's your your time to shine. This is your your platform too, man. It's, I'm for the people, man. What what you want to put out there, man? Man, I like what you're doing with this podcast, man. I've always wanted to start one, never really got around to doing get to it. it. Let's go. But I'm glad I'm glad you're doing it, man, and you reaching out to the people and getting you know raw interviews, getting this raw footage. This is what we need right here. So appreciate I appreciate that, that man. That, that's that's good stuff that you're doing right there. Uh, for me, man, I'm just being a dad, and uh, I'm I'm starting to get into this coaching thing. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that and trying to give back, give back any way I can in in San Antonio. You know, try and make this city a little bit more better. Get back to the neighborhoods, make it better here. Of course, I'm ready for some sports to get back. <laughs> I know we're dealing with Corona right now, but. Yeah. Um, I'm ready for some sports to get back. So I'm hoping, you know, this July 30th thing happens for the NBA. Mm. And, I'm, and and when we do get all the sports back, I'm, I'm hoping that we, we still raising the issue. We still, we still waking them up with what's going on. And if we got to kneel or wear shirts or whatever we got to do, beginning of the game, take eight minutes. Let's do it. Let's yes, get sir. it. Let's wake everybody up real quick. Yes, sir. I'm with it. Got to continue the conversation, man. And that's what my challenge to you, man, is, the, you know, in your workplace, in your, in your, walks to the to the grocery store anytime we we're able to continue the conversation with others that are not as enlightened as us uh, we have to make sure that we use our uh, our voices you know make make sure that we're heard and, and so that people can understand so that's my challenge to you and just spread that love man because uh that's that's all it's gonna take love is gonna conquer everything that's my my opinion um so appreciate I accept it. the challenge i'm on it yes sir well, appreciate that, man. Uh, like I said, we this is Luck, man. Find him in San Antonio. I'll link anything he wants me to link um, on, on the podcast. It's probably this will probably be my Wednesday podcast. So once I get it up, get it out to the world. But appreciate you, man, sharing your your thoughts. Definitely gonna have you on the pod again, especially when I get to Florida, man. So I can have a maybe if you pop through for. For spring oh, break yeah, or something. Might, I, might, I might just come through for that one. You know I might what do saying? that one live, man. Yeah. I might have to come through Florida. Definitely. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the pod set up, man, and have it have my live shows and stuff. But definitely have to have you on the on the show again and, and get your take, especially when the sports come on, because I'm gonna definitely need that uh that vision. You know, I ain't got all of that, all that going like you got it. You know, you got the eye for it. Oh, so. really? 
But appreciate you coming on, man, and, and glad to hear from you. Glad you're safe, man. Keep you safe. Keep the conversation going, and let's get to it, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. God bless. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to the Mainline Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to so you don't miss future shows. Follow us on IG and Twitter for updates. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. We out?